Welcome everybody to the Parsha Parable podcast. And this is Rabbi Mordechai Kamenetsky with a parable for you on Parshas Balak. Balak tells the story of Balak, the king of Moab, who hired Bilam, the greatest sorcerer of all time, so great that in his craft he was comparable to Moshe Rabbeinu in his mission of tendering and pastoring for the Jewish people, Balak knew that Bilam was equally as powerful in his world of sorcery, chicanery, and evil spirits. And Bilam, however, because he had this relationship with Hashem, told Balak that he has to ask permission, and Hashem says no, and Bilam therefore refuses, but then Bilam pushes, and God sort of relents and says, okay, but you got to do what I tell you. And so Bilam goes with evil intent to try to catch God at a bad time. And the famous words that he espouses in his intended curse turned out to be a blessing, and they are... Matovu Ohalecha Yaakov, how goodly are your tents, Jacob. Now, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful verse, but it plays a greater role in Jewish life than I would have thought it would. You see, when you go to shul every day, the first thing you say when you open up the doors and walk inside are Matovu Ohalecha Yaakov. That's the first prayer basically, of the sitter, and you quote Bilam's prayer. Now, there are so many great lines in Psalms, in Tehillim, in Mishlei, in the Torah, in Tanakh, that the composers, Chazal, who composed the order of Tefillah, could have chosen, and yet they chose the words that the evil sorcerer Bilam said when he overlooked the mountain and he saw all the tents of the Jewish people positioned in a way that caused Kiddush Hashem. They were not facing each other. They were not looking at each other. Their doors and windows were not against each other. And he thus said, how goodly are your tents. But why those words and why from such a bad man? At graduation last, uh, two weeks ago, uh, Rabbi Zev Davidowitz, who's the Menahel, the principal of the division of the Mechina, the middle school, the Abraham and Sarah Silver Middle School in the Yeshiva, which comprises 6th, 7th, 8th grade, he spoke at the graduation and he told the boys a message that I think answers this question, but he told it with a story that really blew my mind. He told the story of Rabbi Avraham Goldstein. Avraham Goldstein <clears throat> was born in Puerto Rico, and he was not born as a Goldstein. He was born with a Puerto Rican name, which slips me at the time. I hope I don't offend anybody if I say, you know, uh, Juan Rod- Rodriguez or um, Alex Rodriguez, if I can even say. But he wasn't a baseball player. He was a newspaper boy. And the story how he became first 
involved in Judaism is a story within itself. The story how he became a rabbi is the second story. The, the story how he became a Hasidic leader of Puerto Rican converts and Latin American converts in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and how he's now devoted his life to helping people who have converted to Judaism is another story within itself, but that's not today's story. Today's story is about little Maishi. Maishi was a 14-year-old boy who lived in Scranton, and he was struggling with his Judaism like a lot of 14-year-olds trying to find himself. His father knew Rabbi Goldstein, and he figured, well, listen, this is a guy who came from Puerto Rico and became religious, so maybe he can influence my son. So he called Rabbi Goldstein and says, maybe you can spend some time with Maishi, maybe he'll, you know, say the magic words and get him turned on to the Yiddish guy, he'll start learning good, he'll start learning properly in yeshiva, etc., etc. Rabbi Goldstein said, listen, I don't really do that. I don't take kids who are teens and try to figure out what's bothering them and why they're not uh, accomplishing. But you know what? I happen to be going tomorrow to a place in Pennsylvania, about four hours from here. And I'm going with my violin, because Rabbi Goldstein is actually a master violinist. And he goes once or twice a year to this place in Pennsylvania that actually builds and repairs violins. And he goes to get his violin tuned up. And he knew the owner, who happened to have been a devout Christian. And the whole factory, basically, were filled with these devout Christians who were working on wood and wind instruments. What's fascinating is, you know, I'm sure you know that uh, Pennsylvania is a very interesting state. On one side is Pittsburgh, on the other side is Philadelphia, and in the middle is Alabama. It's a very religious state. And Rabbi Goldstein took Maishi into the car, and they drive, and they're schmoozing, etc. Nothing major. They get to the factory, and the owner, I'll call him Zeke, um, greets them. Hi, Rabbi Goldstein, how are you? Great. Are you here again with the violin? That's beautiful. And who's this young man? And Rabbi Goldstein said, his name is Maishi. But I'm going to tell you something, Zeke. You know, you like the Bible? Well, this kid, Maishi, is a Levite. He's direct descendant from Levi. Levi, the son of Jacob, the original Levite. Could you imagine that? And Zeke says, you're talking real? And the boy says, yeah, I'm a lady. If you look on my tefillin, he says, what's that? You know, phylacteries, you know, you put it on. Oh, yeah, the Bible talks about that. And he says, well, I'll tell you, this is amazing. You're a Levite. You've got to stand here one minute. He gets on the microphone and he calls the entire factory, 70 employees. And he says, attention, attention, everybody. I want you to gather into the lunchroom. We're going to have a special guest, Levite. And he is going to bless us as a Levite, going to bless us, bless the factory. Moishi looks at Rabbi Goldstein and says, I didn't come here for this. Uh, What am I supposed to do? And Rabbi Goldstein shrugs his shoulders and says, listen, uh, it's not a big deal. Uh, you know, they're all going to gather and you'll come up and, uh, um, you know, I guess you'll say, God bless you. And they'll all say amen and you know, that'll be it. And Maishi says, all right, that's not so bad. Anyway, they gather into the lunchroom where she comes in and uh, he obviously, you know, doesn't want to do anything disastrous and rebel, and he he plays along. Zeke gets up on the microphone. He says, everybody line up. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. We have a real bona fide Levite who can trace his lineage back to the days of Moses and the days of Aaron and the days of their ancestors, the original Levite. And he is now going to bless each and every one of us individually. She gulped. What do, you, what do you mean? Like, and Rabbi Golden says, just keep on saying, God bless you. So they line up, and Maishi turns to the first guy and says, uh, God bless you. And all of a sudden, the 70 people go and scream, Amen. Maishi's shocked. So he goes to the second guy, God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. And it goes on. And as the amens are getting louder and louder, Maishi's getting strong. He's really getting into this. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. It's like almost an this little yeshiva kid being an evangelical minister. Suddenly, after about 35, 40 people, Maishi puts up his hand, stops, and he begins to cry. And he says, he has to take a break. Rabbi Goldstein comes over, says, everything okay? And Maishi said to him the following. He says, I never realized how important I was until this moment. And if I'm so important to these people who are not my religion, who don't even know me, who don't even lead the life that I lead, and I am so holy and so important to them, I can't even imagine how important and holy I am to my own people. He gathered his breath and continued blessing them. And he left us all with a message. And I think that is the message. Bilaam stood at the mountain and he intended to curse the Jewish people. And out of his mouth came, wow, you guys are so special. Matovu o'alecho Yaakov. How goodly are your tents, Yaakov. What kind of wonderful people you are. We go into shul and we say, you know, I know Chaim Yankel's fighting with me. Moshe's fighting. You know, there's somebody out there looking at us and saying you are special. And sometimes it takes somebody else to tell us how special we are because we cannot see it for ourselves. So that is the lesson that we all want you to remember. I wrote this story up in Ami magazine in my column, Streets of Life, uh, and I don't think I wrote it the way as well as Rabbi David would said it, but I hope it's meaningful to you, and I hope that you're meaningful to yourselves because you definitely are meaningful to other people. Have a wonderful Shabbos.